from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, Mayor Teresa Harding joins the show. We talk about recently revealed travel expenses in 2010 and 2012, Ipswich councillors on their best behaviour at the July 28 meeting, better guidelines for community funding, Queensland Audit Office finds four new deficiencies at council, motions for the local government conference in October, and we remember Box Flat. It's Thursday, July 28, 2022, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to episode 198 of Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. Thanks for speaking with Ipswich Today, Mayor Harding. That's a pleasure, Alan. The Nine News RTI can't go without a mention. The overseas travel of Pasali, Tully, Lindsay and Wolf, it's already been well covered, but do you think Paul Tully should be paying back some or all of what's been called off itinerary expenses for those trips? Look, the rate payers of Ipswich are hardworking and they're very decent people. Um, and I think the fact that their rates uh, were spent on private jets, on extravagant sightseeing and luxury accommodation is, is appalling. Um, and look, that'll be up to the people of Ipswich. I, I have no legal authority to force that. And that's a, a question that people are going to have to ask Councillor Tully. I certainly, from my perspective, I've pushed very hard for that detailed those detailed financial expenses to be published. The council did pass a council resolution for all that detailed financial expenses to be published on the Transparency Integrity Hub back in July 2020. Um, and I was very disappointed when the Office of the Information Commissioner denied that um, back in March 2021. So, look, some, some information has come out. There's still more, and we'll just see what happens with other RTIs. Can residents be guaranteed that this kind of lavish living the high life on the council tab will never happen again? That's a really good question. I think the residents of Ipswich are very entitled to ask that question. Um, can I reassure uh, the people of Ipswich that that kind of extravagant spending um, won't happen again? And I'll say this for the reason. On the um, Transparency Integrity Hub, uh, we have real-time disclosure of councillor expenses. I think we're the only council in Australia that does that. So you can actually see exactly. So if I go into the city and pay for parking, you'll see how much money that parking spot costs. If I travel, you'll see how much breakfast costs. Um, all that kind of stuff is there for all the councillors. And I would hope now that what we've been through, that if council in the future ever set up a, a controlled entity, um, that'll be governed by different laws now. The, the state government have made a lot of uh, changes when it came to local government reforms. And before those controlled entities were, were cloaked and the state government couldn't see them, um, they've never actually had been through a forensic audit. Uh, nowadays, they'd be a unit of public administration and the state could see them. So a lot of things have changed uh, for the better. Um, so, And I think people are they're just a bit more wary, which is really great to see. Let's move to the council meeting held on July 28. And it began with a very moving condolence motion from Councillor Andrew Fechner. Yes, uh, World War II veteran Keith Pennell passed away on Sunday and his, his funeral's on Monday. And I think Andrew did such a moving tribute, brought a few tears to myself as well. Mm. Um, but I don't know anyone who's met Keith that doesn't, you know, love him and, and love spending time with him. He's such a positive person, um, a, a great bloke to have a chat with. We're both in the same 
um, RSL subbranch. So as you see him at our monthly meetings, but chatting with Russell Milligan as well, his his father was friends with Keith Pennell, so he's known him for a long time as well. So many people in Ipswich know him and, and love him, and I think it's really great that um, he was Ipswich Citizen of the Year a few years back and has a park named after him in the Vale. You brought up a matter of public interest there, talking about the odours surrounding waste. What do you hope to achieve with that? That's more a matter of, I guess, just just transparency with the residents. You know, we did write a letter off to the Minister and the Director-General and I just wanted to table that letter that we received back from the Minister. She's given her reasons why they aren't going to see this as a significant health event. I thought it was important for the people to see that. The transparency and integrity item that was uh, lifted off the table and moved and amended by uh, Councillor Nicole Jonick seemed to make more sense this time round. Do you agree? I think so. Um, we all met together yesterday afternoon and had a good discussion about it, um, which I think was a really positive thing for us as a council and moving forward. And, you know, so basically that that very, that very motion that came forward was based on the feedback given from, from all of us, and I think that's why it was voted unanimously. The Queensland Audit Office Interim Report, there was an item in the Governance and Transparency Report. It highlights four new deficiencies in the current year. What specifically is the QAO concerned about? Look, it's in the report there. I mean, the QAO do an annual review of our, you know, access controls, roles, permissions within the council's ICT system. So I think it's 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 a positive thing that the QAO are highlighting this. I'd be very concerned if I got a report from the QAO and, and everything was green greenlit. Um, we do value the recommendations of the QAO. So there are a couple of deficiencies in there and there are also some other deficiencies that have been highlighted previously that have now been closed out. So we have significantly reduced the outstanding audit matters to be compared with what was there during the period of administration. Community funding and support guidelines uh, came up and there were some guidelines set in place, I think, under administration. Current councillors have implemented some uh, previous changes. Is the report this month about fixing anomalies that accidentally excluded funding for certain types of events, which were really genuine community events? I think so. Um, each year we've made adjustments. and Hopefully they're improvement each time, Alan. Um, but when certain situations arise, we, I guess, deal with it. And, and then we sort of, th- when we go to amend for the next year, we'll amend the guidelines um, for that just to make them more open. I guess in the past, under previous councils, often community groups just had to send an invoice to council. We actually have a very open and transparent grant process now where councillors are not involved uh, in the assessment of those. So it's, I think it's uh, an improvement. And I also suggest any um, organisations, if they didn't receive a grant for something for a reason, please raise it with your councillor. That's certainly what's happened with me. I've had groups tell me that they didn't get a, a grant. So I've actually raised that with council officers and with the councillors and we've been able to work through that. So it's a, it's, it's the community's money. We should be making sure that it's distributed equitably. Were there any other significant changes? Uh, made it quite explicit that councillors are not part of the community um, funding grants at all. The only assessments we're a part of are the council discretionary funds, which was allowed under legislation. And we also changed the um, the amount of funding as well, just to distribute that funding more evenly across uh, more organisations as well. Each year, local governments from across the state meet for the annual Local Government Association of Queensland Conference, which I think is coming up in October. Ipswich has come up with three motions uh, to put to the local government conference this year. Can you detail those for us? The first motion was about the withdrawal of federal funding um, for, to councils in regards to litigation in relation to native title claims. Um, it's usually quite a complex issue. Um, it's money that's usually well spent within the community. Um, so we've, we're moving forward a motion to ask the federal government to maintain that funding there so we can continue um, having those discussions with our native title, title claims. Ipswich, I think, intends to support 
support a motion from Logan City Council which calls for the continuation of the Queensland Climate Resilient Councils Program. That's a long name. But in simple terms, what does it mean for Ipswich? Yeah, we're working together. There's no use doing anything to do with climate change on your own. You have to do it together. So um, we'll be joining Logan City Council in that particular motion to continue that initiative. It's been quite good for us as a council, and I think as a community as well. Thirdly, Ipswich is pushing for a review of the Planning Act and planning regulation to include prohibited development categories. Now, what specifically is Ipswich looking for with this motion? There's sometimes there are certain land uses that are not great in certain areas. One that jumps to mind for us in Ipswich is, is waste. Maybe there's some places that there shouldn't be certain waste activities. But I think people just expect council to be able to prohibit certain things. We can't uh, under the state legislation. But there are certain things, and I think Councillor Tully talked about um, in the past, he talked about um, there's been an application once to have a, a crematorium in, in West Ipswich, which obviously was, was stopped. But there's certainly some places shouldn't have certain la- land uses. And at the moment, there are, we can't prohibit anything under the under the current state law. So we're looking to change that. In the past, I do think that it got quite uh, lengthy, that there were pages and pages of land uses that were prohibited, which got unwieldy. Um, but I think the pendulum sort of probably swung a bit too far. So I think we'll probably get a fair bit of support at the LGAQ conference to bring this back in. It was interesting to see an outstanding rates matter uh, come before the council, and it was uh, full of confidential documents. Why doesn't this report identify who's holding out on paying their rates and and why does it require a resolution of council for the CEO to act on it? Yeah, that's another good question, Alan. Um, Council is obviously a level of government and the was talking about a negotiation. I can't go any further than that, but obviously there's a a legal matter that's outstanding um, and there was some discussion on it. And if it was discussed in open um, council, then it would, um, I guess, to reduce council's ability to get the best outcome for ratepayers. Will there be a point in the future when residents will be told who was holding out on paying their rates? I'll have to check with the CEO. I don't have an issue with it, but I'll, I'll just check to make sure that we can legally. If we can legally do it, then I think we should be disclosing it. And finally, Mayor Harding, this is not on the council agenda, but a very significant uh, moment in history for Ipswich on the 31st of July with the 50th anniversary of the Box Flat mine disaster and explosion in 1972. There's a few events planned, including a very special service on site on Sunday. Will you be attending? Absolutely. I've attended every year for I think, the last 10, 10 or so years. And Alan, thank you very much for your um, podcast that you did on Box Flat. It's, it's very thoughtful. I think John Knox had a lot of interesting um, views on there and so did Hugh Taylor. So thank you very much for providing that to our community. It is a solemn ceremony. Um, it's 50 years. So you've, you've got here not only the wives, but also the children and grandchildren of people. Um, just this week, speaking with Karen Muller and um, Peter Randolph, um, you know, Karen was 19 when she lost her, her father. And Peter was only fourteen, so mm. it's it's you know, it, so that you know their children grew up with their, without their grandfather. So it's it's something that is a really um, a big issue. I also know the the industry um, took a lot out of it as well in regards to mining safety to make sure something like that doesn't happen again. So seventeen people died, and it's just um, it's a tragedy, and I think it's only appropriate that it's commemorated um, in a serious way in our community. Mayor Teresa Harding, thanks so much for talking with Ipswich today. Thank you so much, Alan. And a reminder to look for handy links in the show notes, including to Ipswich City Council's YouTube channel, where you can watch meetings live or on demand. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, 
people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswitchtoday.com.au and click the Donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music Podcasts, or play Ipswich Today from smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.